Hey there, welcome to Coronavirus in Florida, The Lost Summer, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. I'm your host, Austin Fast, and it's Thursday, July 30th. This show explores all the ways COVID-19 is affecting summer 2020. We'll share the facts behind the spread of the virus and discuss what could happen next. On today's episode, it's back to school time. In any normal year, we'd see stores full of kids and their parents stocking up on pens, pencils, book bags, fancy new shoes, all those things we need for a successful school year. However, some Pinellas County teachers claim they need to add one more thing to that list, a will. Over 100 teachers, parents, and students from Pinellas County Schools rallied at the school board building in Largo on July 14th. They're demanding classes stay totally online to keep everyone safe until positive cases of COVID-19 drop significantly across Florida. And later on today's show, Times Education reporters Marlene Sokol and Jeff Solacek join me to break down when Tampa Bay school systems will be back in session. We'll discuss all the questions swirling about how in-person school might work during a pandemic. That's high school science teacher Christy Faust leading the crowd of protesters at the Pinellas County School Board building on a muggy Tuesday morning. They're waving signs with hand-painted slogans like, schools can't even control lice, and use your teacher voice. As they're chanting, school board members are meeting virtually to plan the district's return to classes. Florida's education commissioner issued an emergency order on July 6th, calling for families to have the option of in-person instruction five days a week. The order didn't say there'd be penalties for schools that don't comply, but there are incentives that could add up to tens of millions of dollars of funding, which many schools need. Governor Ron DeSantis says he wants to give families options, whether that's virtual or in person. Fast food and Walmart and Home Depot. And look, I do all that, so I'm not, I'm not like looking down on it. But if all that is essential, then educating our kids is absolutely essential. And I'm confident if you can do Home Depot, if you can do Walmart, if you can do these things, we absolutely can do the schools. The Home Depots in Tallahassee must be a little different than they are in my experience. That's Faust again, who helped organize the July 14th Pinellas County teachers' protest. I don't go there for seven hours a day, and I don't think I've ever been to a Home Depot that had 2,000 people in it all at once, uh, which is about what the population of my high school is, uh, not to mention all the employees and things as well. So that's the students. Daily cases in Florida have been hovering around the 10,000 mark for most of July, but protesters say students shouldn't come back to the classroom until Florida enjoys two straight weeks without new cases. Listen to middle school history teacher Patrick Mugan take the megaphone at the protest. So I want everyone to hear my voice, that if I die from catching COVID-19, from being forced back into Pinellas County Schools, you can drop my dead body right here. Leave my body right here. There are so many questions that are not answered. And if they were answered properly, I would be at home with my dog. (laughs) My name is Susan Munch. I've been teaching in Pinellas County for over 20 years. There are too many flaws in the plan, 
actually there isn't a plan. There are 37 pages that basically said, wear your mask, wash those kids' hands. Basically, we're all in charge of what goes on in the classroom. We're on our own. And if someone gets sick, well, we'll figure it out then. Many parents rely on schools not just for education, but also for child care. They work essential jobs in stores, restaurants, and shops that just can't be done virtually. Lanice Washington's 11-year-old grandson attends Destiny Achievement Center in St. Petersburg. She says we have bigger things to worry about with COVID-19 than childcare. I understand working people, we have to feed our families. But who are you going to feed if everybody's dead? Good, good question. <laughs> we have to prioritize. The educations are important, but I'd rather have a dumb grandchild opposed to a dead one. On Tuesday, July 28th, the Pinellas County School Board unanimously voted to push back their first day of classes from August 12th to the 24th. Superintendent Michael Grego warns they're going to keep checking in with the health department as we move forward. Recognize that this plan is fluid. I want to keep hitting on that. It wouldn't have been the same way that we, we developed it if we wrote it in March. And I can tell you if we wait, it's, it's going to be different. So any good plan has to remain fluid. If the figures and the statistics look really, really good and everyone feels comfortable to go back and, and all of a sudden an outbreak in September, we're prepared to go to My Pinellas online. We're prepared to pivot and, and to go virtual the same way we did in the last nine weeks, but a whole lot better. So that's where Pinellas County stands, but how about the other counties around Tampa Bay? Reporters Marlene Sokol and Jeff Solacek cover education for the Tampa Bay Times. I hopped on a video call with them to learn what we can expect as class gets back in session. I'm Jeff Solacek. I've been the education reporter at the Tampa Bay Times for 20 years, and we've been covering this thing, which seems like another 20 years, even though it's just been a few months. (laughs) And I'm Marlene Sokol. I've been covering education for about 10 years, uh, primarily in Hillsborough County, almost entirely in Hillsborough County, except when Jeff goes on vacation, and then I get his counties too. <laughs> well, both of you have been on this beat for quite some time. So could you just briefly discuss what is it about you know education that has kept you on this beat for so much time? I think education reporters do it as long as they do, because there's really everything. It really is a microcosm. So you cover family issues, and you cover money issues, and crime, and government, and even sex. And, and right now, health. Jeff, what about you? Well, I've been doing it. It was the first beat ever assigned to me, and I've been doing it pretty much ever since. I've found that it's everything. It's society at large. It it involves everything from money to education to children to society, and it matters. It's one of the only things that really matters to everyone. You can say what you want about any other thing that we write about, but education and the schools really do matter, as we're seeing right now as it plays out across the nation. What are we going to do with our schools? Let's kind of take a a roll call of the different counties that the Tampa Bay Times covers, a roll call in terms of, you know, start dates for schools that are actually meeting in person. So where do they stand? The way things look, Pinellas, Hillsborough and Pasco will start school on August 24th and Hernando County will start school on August 31st. We have to remember something, though, that they can always change that. I did tune into the Hillsborough School Board Facebook meeting, which was really fascinating. There are 5,000 people that I could see watching. And can you imagine 5,000 people attending any other school board meeting? This is done, if it's done one thing, it's motivated people to pay attention to what their school boards are doing. 
And I heard the school board there say, and correct me if I'm wrong, Marlene, that we're going to come back in two weeks, Mr. Superintendent, and see if we still agree with ourselves. They did say that, and there was a lot of discussion on whether they had that legal authority. But as Chairwoman Snively pointed out, if seven members of the board want to keep the schools closed past Labor Day, ultimately the superintendent works for them. So, yes, they are coming back in two weeks. They might try and revisit that, and we'll see how that goes. Gotcha. So let's get back now. Now that we kind of established the timeline late August, tell me a little bit more, Marlene, about the protective measures that you've been reporting on that schools are planning to put into place to keep the kids and the teachers safe. Yeah, I think they're doing what they can, but many people would say it's not enough because they don't have the money to do enough. One easy to understand example is separating desks in the classroom and having small class sizes, which early on the CDC, that was one of the things they called for. Very small classes and even split sessions where half the school goes in the morning, the other half goes in the afternoon or alternate every other week. They cannot afford to do that. They are going to space the desks out as much as they can, remove what they call extraneous furniture. But even when they do that, there will not be a full six-foot distance And the class sizes will not be any smaller. And people need to understand that school districts get funded per student and the formula assumes that they will meet state approved class sizes. So in elementary school A, there may be three second grade classes instead of six second grade classes. But those three second grade classes will be about the same size as they always were which means you could have 20 or 25 people in the classroom and the door is closed all day for seven hours and the viral load is the same as it would be if everyone was there. So with that said, they are taking measures. The the students will be asked to wear masks and we don't know how hard or easy that will be to enforce. Many activities have been eliminated for now, things like assemblies, things like pep rallies, There is protective equipment. There is frequent cleaning. They will monitor students in the hallways so that they don't bunch up together. Again, with staffing and funding, I think most people who are realistic do not think it is going to be as controlled as you would like it to be to prevent the transmission of coronavirus. One of the main developments that happened this month was on July 6th when the Florida State Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran issued an emergency order. Uh, Jeff, can you just briefly describe what this order stipulated? This order said essentially that schools need to reopen in August, not all of them necessarily, but enough of them. So that way, any kid who wants to go back to school and be in a classroom with the teacher can do so. At the same time, it said that if school districts want to do other things, creative innovative plans for providing education to those students who don't want to come to school. They had to submit a plan and get it approved. And without that approval, they stood at a risk of losing some of their state funding because the state law really stated at that point that you have two choices to either do all virtual or to do classroom instruction. There were no other real funding mechanisms within the law. 
So they tried to give you some wiggle room there, but a lot of people interpreted it as a threat. Mm -hmm. And Marlene, in your reporting over the past few weeks, how have you seen local school districts here in Tampa Bay reacting to that order from the state education commissioner? Yeah, well, all of the four districts I've been covering have prepared plans to open by the end of August, which is what the uh, state order asks for. Some reluctantly, um, the chairwoman of the Hernandez School Board voted against the plan in protest, even though it passed four to one. And so with varying degrees of reluctance, you know, depending on their political standing and so forth, they've said, okay, we're going to put together a plan that, as Jeff said, gives families the option of sending their children to a physical school five days a week. The feeling being, well, if we don't put this plan together, even though the order does not overtly say we will withhold funding, what it says is if you do this plan the way we are asking, you will be incentivized. You will get certain waivers, you, you know. So the language of it says you will be rewarded if, if you submit the plan in the way we've asked you to. So all of my four school districts that I've been following have submitted plans which do include both virtual learning and in-person learning five days a week. We've seen over the past few weeks um, various teacher protests gathering. I mean, on July 14th, the Pinellas County teachers, there was about 100 people. They were mostly teachers, but there were some parents and a few students as well who rallied in front of the school board meeting as they were, as the school board itself was meeting to decide what to do. Jeff, could you outline the arguments from the various sides of the debate that you've seen about going back to school in August or delaying you know, further until some further date when case numbers might be under control? What we've been hearing a lot really is that they don't feel safe going back into the schools because they don't understand fully the spread of the virus and how it works, especially among young children. But I do need to point out that at the same time, when you look at these percentages of teachers and students who are saying what their choices are or what their plans are, large percentages are saying they're ready to go back. I got a call this morning from a teacher who said, I will do what it takes, no matter what it is. I will take that risk. I'm a frontline provider of education. I need to be there for my students and I will do what it has to be because in-person education is better and we can't lose any more time teaching these kids what they need to know. Marlene, what have you noticed? Like similar to Jeff, I've heard from teachers, one who called me on Friday and we spoke for about an hour and he was making the case that some of his students really need to be in school because their home lives are awful. And he described specific students who have abusive parents. And so, so there are a lot of compelling reasons for children to be in school. And there are significant numbers of teachers who feel that we need to get them back in school already. You know, so there's a lot of numbers being thrown around. I think it's safe to say that there are significant numbers on both sides who, who either want to come back to school or who are worried that it's not safe or both. There are many teachers who are willing to come back to school. It's their job, but they don't feel that it is as safe as it should be. Right. And just to throw in uh, a couple more numbers, last week, the Tampa Bay Times did a, a very unscientific Twitter poll of our readers, and we got about 2,000 responses. And 76% of the people who responded say that they aren't comfortable with sending their kids to school. Obviously, again, it's a Twitter poll. It's not representative and, and all those elements that would, would need to be you know scientific and, and more statistically significant. But one of the parents that the article describing that poll, they mentioned 
what they called corona privilege, meaning, you know, they were in a job where they could work from home. Now, schools aren't necessarily childcare, but Jeff, maybe you can tell me a little bit about the essential workers who can't stay at home and they rely on school to give their children a safe place to be when they're at work. There are quite a few of those. I spoke to a mom from Pinellas County just last week. Well, before I went on vacation, so two weeks ago. And she is a healthcare worker. She works on the front line. She has to be at work every day. And she was talking about her husband has a similar type role. Their child is ready to go into kindergarten. She is afraid of what kindergarten is going to be like. She doesn't want to leave her child in the school. That's not going to be anything like what they've built up as. School is going to be so awesome for you when you get into kindergarten. But she also doesn't have any place else to go. She was talking to other families, seeing what other options they have. I've talked to some other families where they say, we're not thrilled with either option that the school district is providing. And so we are going to look at creating our own little homeschooling pod which is starting to gain a lot of traction nationally. That's really interesting. I saw, I think, last week an article on TampaBay.com about that. But do you have any idea of a number or percentage of, of, of how many people are doing that now? That would just be anecdotal right now. I mean, people are turning in their numbers and their requests and their choices. The Pinellas County School District hasn't completed that as we're talking. And You know, the Hillsborough and other districts still have anywhere from a half to a third of students that haven't responded. So nobody knows really what everybody's doing. And some people are changing in the Pasco County School District. They said, sign up so we can start assigning teachers to schools and so forth. But you can change your mind if you want. And so I talked to the spokesman there this morning and he said the numbers are trending differently now that as numbers keep coming out on the virus, more and more families are switching from in-person to online. Yeah, I've, I've found that too. Um, the numbers um, seem to spiral down a few weeks ago, 70% in Hillsborough had chosen in-person school. Then it went down to a number in the 60s, then it went down to 49%. There's also one third who have not declared their intent. So if they don't get an answer from them, then these families default to physical schools. A couple of things to keep in mind, and when we talk about the corona privilege or whatever that phrase is, is that I think most people realize school, if and when it opens in August, is not going to look the same as school should look or or used to look. I have one friend who has a 10-year-old daughter. She's a single mom working mom, um, she's finding a way to homeschool her child. And this is not somebody who comes from privilege. She's middle class. But she said, you know, my daughter's in the gifted program. And one of the things that I'm worried about is, you know, the other gifted children, they're not going to be in school. You know, so when you think about which children will be in physical school, by and large, it's not going to be the children of privilege. It's not going to be the children who have all of these advantages. On average, it could be children who who are less advantaged. And so, so really, that's an economic divide. It's not going to be the same. Well, along those lines, the CDC just put out new guidelines last week on, on July 23rd. Have either of you had a chance to review those? When I read it, it looked like not really guidelines as much as a compelling argument for why children need to be in school, which reads very much like the talking points of the governor and the commissioner of education and to some extent our superintendent in Hillsborough stating a very strong case why children will suffer 
emotionally, academically, psychologically, if they continue to not be in school, which again, nobody would disagree with that. But I, I did not see any details about here's how you do it. The prior communications from the CDC did have suggested guidelines. A lot of people have stopped taking the CDC guidelines as seriously as they would have in the past as it's become politicized. And a lot of people have been looking to the American Academy for Pediatrics. And that has offered uh, more complicated and comprehensive guidelines that people have liked. Uh, it's not an easy answer, but I think people have come to the point of not trusting some of the previously trusted agencies because of all the politics here. And it's unfortunate. I mean, I don't know what to think, and I've read more than most. And I have a student who's getting ready for senior year in high school, and we are opting for not going right now because we don't know what's going to happen inside there. Considering not everybody has access to reliable high-speed internet access that you need for video conferencing and online learning, I, I mean, Marlene, like your internet just cut out a, <laughs> a couple minutes ago, um, that presents a challenge for kids who are maybe in lower-income households or in rural areas. For example, my parents live in a very rural area of Ohio, and their internet is terrible. If I was a student, I wouldn't be able to do video conferencing to do my, my classwork. So can you evaluate how it was working this spring and what efforts have you seen to close that so-called digital divide for kids who are attending virtually this fall? You had a lot of people who did not have high-speed internet. You also had a lot of people who, even though the schools loaned out devices, didn't know how to use them, you know, had never used anything but their phone. But again, that was just part of it. A bigger part, what I heard over and over again from teachers, is the kids don't know how to do simple computer tasks, and their parents don't either. So that was an even bigger problem than the connectivity. Now, the school districts did get hotspot devices into people's hands. The whole e-learning thing in the spring, I don't want to call it a joke because some students did very well with it. I, I've heard anecdotally that some students did better with the e-learning than they did in class. They were not distracted. They were not being bullied. You had CD students who all of a sudden became AB students, and they thrived in that setting. And then you had you know, others, it was quite the opposite and kids who just checked out and didn't do any work and really were held harmless because if you logged in once a week, you were counted as present for the entire week. So on Monday, July 20th, the Florida Education Association, which is the public school teachers union, sued Governor Ron DeSantis, Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran, and some other people in the government to block the opening of in-person classes. So I'm just curious, can you tell me where does that suit stand? And do you think that actually has a chance of blocking school from starting at the end of August. It depends on how fast the courts act on it, but can it happen? It depends on which court lands in front of and how quickly people act on it. And the real issue here is that a lot of people think that the state government has taken a step too far, exceeding its constitutional authority in the operations of the schools. And school boards haven't really done anything to fight it. And so the teachers union decided that, like they do on many other issues, such as vouchers, for instance, they, they're going to take the lead on that. And they lose pretty much every legal battle that they take. Marlene, do you have any sense of what might come from this suit? Uh, no. Uh, the, and the only response I've seen is on Twitter uh, when uh, Secretary Richard Corcoran called it reckless and frivolous. And, you know, and, and so and, and his contention all along is that 
most of us mere mortals do not understand the executive order that he issued, which was his telling of it. And it provided flexibility to the districts and it really provided districts to meet the needs of all different family situations. So he's been really dismissive of really the the argument coming from teachers that it's too dangerous. It's really interesting on that front because everybody talks about choice, but they're talking about choice for parents and for students. But the teachers have been left with very little choice in all this matter. If all the students want to come back, say 100% of students want to come back, the teachers don't have a choice to stay at home at that point. It all is dependent on what the families and the students do. And so the teachers feel very dismissed and, and ignored on that point. And, and when I went to the State Board of Education meeting, the governor sat there and he spoke about choice, but he didn't mention teachers at all. And along those lines, I've heard anecdotally on social media that some teachers, rather than going back to school, they're just going to take an early retirement or maybe they'll pursue some other career field. In your reporting, what have you seen along those lines? No, I've spoken to teachers who are doing just that. They're leaving the profession. They're taking a leave of absence. And and we'll see if they actually do. I don't know how many have put in their papers. I think um, Mr. Ingram, the president of the Florida Education Association, He said his surveys show that 39% of teachers are seriously considering leaving the profession. Now, again, with these teacher statistics, he's surveying teachers who are in the unions. So, So you get a slightly skewed, but it's a fear of the unknown. And I, and I keep coming back to that. We do not know how bad it's going to be when the schools reopen, assuming they reopen at the end of August. We don't know. Maybe it won't be that bad in terms of disease and death, or God forbid, maybe it will be very bad. And we just don't know. Right. And we're dealing with it in all facets of life. There are all these unknowns day in and day out. This is just another one of them. So... All right, Jeff and Marlene. Well, that's all the time we have today. I know we could discuss various aspects of schools in the Tampa Bay area for hours today, probably, but I'll let you get back to your reporting. Thank you so much for what you're doing here at the Tampa Bay Times for the newspaper and for the community to keep everyone informed. Thank you so much. Glad to do it. Thank you. Thank you, Austin. It was a pleasure. All right, everyone. That does it for us today on coronavirus in Florida. As always, for the latest information on the pandemic across Florida, you can visit tampabay.com slash coronavirus. And if you liked today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions. You can find me on Twitter at A underscore fast, or shoot me an email at afast at tampabay.com. This has been Coronavirus in Florida, The Lost Summer. I'm your host, Austin Fast. Thank you so much for listening, and please stay healthy out there. Mm